Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Hey, everybody. If you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com slash stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant, Jerry Roblin. Just a couple of nomads on the road. Yeah. With our trinkets and our accordion. Uh, you know, uh, gypsies, tramps and thieves. <laughs> you like my, my share? Yeah. I learned it from, uh, Jack from, um, uh, Will and Grace. Will and Grace. Oh, yeah? Was that his share? Well, there was this one really classic scene where, um, he meets Cher in a restaurant, but he thinks it's like a, a Cher drag queen impersonator. Oh, right. So he calls her, like, Mr. Sister and, like, starts giving her pointers on how to do a good Cher. Yeah, he always does the hair flip. The right. Hair flip. <laughs> I love that show. It's a good show. It's, it holds up. It's in reruns now. Oh, yeah? It's just as good, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I had this that horrible Cher song in my head, like, while I was um, studying, and it, it just wouldn't go away. So I listened to it, and now I'm like... <laughs> No, it just got worse. Uh, is there a modern PC version that's Roma, Tramps and Thieves? No, but in my head, you can also say Gypsies, Franks and Beans, and it's like kind of neutral. It's better than Tramps and Thieves. Yeah, good point. But the term Gypsy <laughs> is... That, wait, is that a good point? <laughs> it's a terrible point. Oh, okay. Well, um, don't patronize me. <laughs> gypsies, though, the word itself, uh, we're going to try not to use because it's it's a pejorative term. It is. And at the very least, it's now considered an ethnic slur. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, in part because it's associated with the concept of being gypped. Like if somebody oh, really? doesn't give you a fair deal or something like I that or that. rips you off or something like that, you've been gypped. Huh. It's it's short for gypsied. You've been you've dealt oh, with somebody oh. who's so a gypsy. That, somebody that came treated from gypsy, you. Right. not the other way around. Right. Because we believe it came from Egypt. Right. It was a, a mis. Misapplication. Yeah. Misunderstanding in the Greek Isles. <laughs> By Josh Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Romance novel. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So let's, let's get into this. We're not going to say gypsies like you said. Actually, that's not entirely true. We're probably going to forget once in a while because we were both raised on Shel Silverstein. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, Yumi reminded me of this one. The gypsies are coming. Yeah. Which is, it's very difficult to find the original version of The Gypsies Are Coming, which is a poem of Shel Silverstein's in Where the Sidewalk Ends, because before his death, and I believe that sometime in the 90s or early 2000s, 
It seemed like it was that long ago, but yeah, I remember. He changed it from the gypsies are coming to the Googies or the Googies. Oh, that's nice. Because he felt that it was um, mean toward gypsies. And it kind of is because it's yeah. about <laughs> child stealing gypsies, which is a, a rumor Yeah. Um, that's been attached to gypsies forever. Yeah, they steal a... children and use them as props in baking sure. and pickpocket schemes. Yeah, there are a lot of, uh, um, I guess, rumors about the culture, and a lot of them are founded, and a lot of them are unfounded. Yeah. None of it's just like black and white one way or the other. The yeah. gypsies aren't just some completely kicked around, put upon ethnic group. And, and at the same time, they're not just a bunch of like thieving, violin playing uh, marauders. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So uh, anyway, to get to the point, we'll say Roma as much as we can. Yeah, Roma or Romani. And we'll even explain why we call them Roma shortly. That sounds good. Well, we just missed uh, International Roma Day was on April 8th. Man. And that's been around since 1990. And uh, John Kerry, uh, Secretary of State Kerry, came out and had some nice words to say about, uh, you know, celebrating the, the rich Romani culture mm-hmm. and give them a break. <laughs> yeah. Sort of, you know. But um, I didn't know there was a International Roma Day, so it, I don't know if it's sticking in, like, the mass public. Well, you know, it takes a little time to gain traction. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> it has been since the 70s. The 70s were like a big era of um, ethnic and minority groups like saying, hey, we're here and yeah. like we're standing up for our rights and you can't kick us around anymore. Right. You know? Good for them. We're we're owning our identity. Yeah. And the, the Roma did it too. But yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, these days, there are uh, around 12 million uh, Roma and when we say scattered, they are scattered, and that's what they're known for, is not dropping down permanent roots and moving along. And uh, one reason is because they've often been forced through the centuries to move along up yeah. until today. <laughs> yeah, there's a um, there's a basically the Roma sociologist, the, the authority on Romani culture and yeah. people. Dr. Romani? Dr. Finesca, okay. Isabella Finesca. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically points out, like, p- tell me another group that just willfully picks up stakes and leaves all the time because they just feel like it at the at their whim. She's like, that that doesn't exist. They yeah. move largely, mostly because they've been forced to time and time again. Yeah, I think humans desire to root down. That's sort of yeah what we've based our success on is people. Yes, is staying one place and fortifying and you know sedentariness. I don't know about sedentary, but like getting couch locked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's your new favorite term. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they are kind of spread all over the EU. They're scattered to the wind and they do move quite frequently, but it's like you said, it's, it's, um, it's not necessarily because they're nomadic. They are a nomadic people, but not necessarily because they want to be. But the problem is, is where, wherever they go, virtually everywhere they go in the European Union, um, they are kind of forced out eventually at some point. Yeah, I sent you that article today, and it is literally in today's news how Paris, there was a leaked uh, note from uh, chief of police in Paris that said, on the orders of his superiors, uh, police are to day and night locate Roma families living in the street and systematically evict them, Yeah, even though that is supposedly illegal in France. And uh, it is, in, it's a chic area of Paris, and they don't want um, 
people in poverty, and a lot of the Romani people are still living in poverty. Pretty much all of them are. I'm not saying that makes it right. All all of the Romani, except for the Gypsy Kings, the band, are living in poverty pretty much. <laughs> the Gypsy Kings? They are actual gypsies. I looked Are they up. really? Yes. They are I thought they were gypsies. from Mexico. No, I thought so too, man. They're from uh, Andalusia, Spain. Wow. And their parents were all Romani that were um, basically kicked out of Spain by Franco. Huh. And so they're like legitimate Roma people, the band. Isn't and, that cool? And the only ones with any money? <laughs> right, pretty much. And I'm like, I wonder what they do. Like, are they still, do they still have that Roma thing to them? Or are they oh, just like, see you guys later? No, I think, We're from, rich. What I think from what I've read, they, uh, the Roma people are, are, you know, embrace their heritage. Yeah. Yeah. But I, not yeah, It seems Paris. like it. I mean, to the, to almost to a detrimental degree. Well, last September, um, Manuel Valls, uh, the interior minister at the time in France declared that Roma gypsies were incompatible with the French way of life and should return home. Yeah, Europe's really going crazy lately. Like, the Dutch are forcing all of their um, immigrants to learn Dutch or get out, basically. Did they realize how hard Dutch is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe that's the point, you know? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and apparently there was, like, a huge push in the Sun newspaper in Britain to um, get rid of gypsy beggars uh, from the street. Um, and... It, 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 yeah, the the Roma in particular are have kind of been the butt of all this stuff. It's not just France. I saw an article yeah. where in Rome, um, two Ro- two Roma camps in Rome were raided. All of the people were dragged out, taken to the airport, put on a plane to Bosnia. Wow! And a couple of them were underage kids whose parents weren't in the group at the time. So imagine if you come home from a day of trading cars. Yeah. And your kid is in Bosnia because the cops just rounded him up because they didn't want you to live on the street there any longer. Trading cars? Yeah, that's what they're into big time. They still trade horses, too. Yeah, but the they... old school among them. They also trade cars, too. They'll go to, like, Germany and buy a car for cheap and then take it to Romania and sell it for a little bit of premium, and they make some money that way. That's called Craigslist, buddy. Kind of. <laughs> Romani Craigslist. Good for them. Uh, so the point is they're... Wherever they go in the EU, they end up getting the bums rush, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's called, they call it the gypsy problem, still to this day in the European Union, so. And the one place that they can kind of call home is Romania. Yeah, and I think Transylvania, too, has a pretty robust, uh, fairly settled population. You want to understand? I'm sure they do. Yeah. And they were led there, actually, by a purchase by a guy named Vlad Dracul. In the 15th century. I think I've heard of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about how the Roma ended up in their adopted homeland of Romania. Where'd they come from originally? Because apparently even they aren't certain. Well, no, that's the one thing they're certain about apparently is where they come from. But that's about it because they, there's a high illiteracy rate. So there's not a lot of record keeping, mm-hmm. a lot of, not a lot of genealogy throughout the years. So a lot of, uh, a lot of it's just kind of lost to history. Um, but I think they did settle on the fact that they came from India, Josh. Okay. Which you knew. Hi. You're being coy. That is true. And it took a very long time. Um, so the Roma say, we're from India. Yes. They, they know that now. No one knew whether that was correct or not. They were called gypsies because people thought they were from Egypt. Um, they were in Romania, but they crossed the Balkans. 
um, it was really just very confusing. They were just basically this nomadic group of dark-skinned people who spoke their own language and didn't practice the prevailing religions, so everybody just hated them. Well, finally, in the 18th century, uh, a um, Hungarian scholar, a uh, theologian, I believe, decided he wanted to kind of dig into Romani language yeah. and figure out what the deal was with it. And he found, quite surprisingly, that a lot of it contained Sanskrit. Yeah, so that is going to put you in northern India. And then they did some genetic testing to kind of get that stuff confirmed and basically came up with the fact that they uh, migrated out of India about 700 A.D., but the dates get a little hazy for sure. Well, some people think that it's 700 A.D. That's as far back as I think anyone's willing to go. But then uh, I think a lot of historians agree that they're actually descended from a specific group who were ejected from northern India because of raids from Persia around 1000 to 1027 A.D. Now, was that with the uh, spread of Islam? Yeah, Muhammad of Ghazni. Yeah, he wanted to spread Islam around, and so he brought in, uh, well, the, the, the Hindus organized a group of people to fight that, obviously, to fight the Muslims, and they had an army ref- called the Rajputs. I think that's as good as any. Or is the the J silent? R A J P U T? No, uh, no, it's like Maharaja. Okay, Raj so puts. Raj puts maybe. Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah, uh, and they defeated the army. Um, I'm sorry, they were defeated and then taken captive. And then another group uh, from Persia came along, the Seljuks, and they conquered them and then took the Rajputs out of northern India and into what is now Turkey. Right, and they so basically that was the diaspora started then, supposedly. Yeah, that was where they think the Romani originally came from. They were displaced Indians fighting to protect their homeland. Yeah, and they basically, when they were ejected from uh, northern India by uh, Muhammad of Ghazni and his people, they became slaves. And then when Muhammad of Ghazni was defeated by the Seljuks, they became slaves for the Seljuks. In Turkey. Yeah, pretty much put upon from the get-go. Right. So they, they were slaves, servant class, um, laborers uh, for many centuries. And they finally made it out, I guess, once the um, once the Ottomans defeated. No. Once the Christians, I guess, went in during the Crusades and defeated the Turks. Okay. And Istanbul was converted from Constantinople. The um, Rajputs who were by now the Roma, yeah. were moved from Turkey across the Balkans into present-day Transylvania, Wallachia, and a large number of them were purchased by Vlad Dracul, also known as Vlad Tepish or Vlad the Impaler or Count Dracula. <laughs> he owned some of the first Romani people Do you to know how move many? across, like, I think like 500 or 5,000, wow. something like that. Holy cow. Yeah. And they suffered tremendously. Anyone who worked for Vlad yeah. suffered tremendously. We'll have to do an episode on him. He hated dust on the shelves. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Man, he would fly into a rage. Um, it's interesting, though, to see their religion uh, these days, the Roma. Like, it's it's kind of all over the map. There are some Christians. Yeah. Um, there are some Muslims, right? And some Hindu? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think there's not, like, a, a single religion for the, for an ethnic group. Well, I guess it's not the weirdest thing. Well, 
No, but I mean, I I think what what happened was there was a group of them, and then the group became further and further fragmented. Yeah, and so you can take all of the language and the religious beliefs and all of this this stuff that is Romani culture, and you're probably going to find some similar elements that you can all trace back to about 1400 A.D. Yeah, when they crossed over into the Balkans. Yeah, and then started to spread from there. Yeah, but I think that makes a lot of sense though, because apparently even the tribes today speak different versions of the same language. So it's right. they don't have like a, a codified language, even though they're pushing for that. Right, they are. They think that might help. Yeah. So they're in Romania, right? What's now present-day Romania. Yeah. Um, and for the next 400 years, they are slaves in Romania until Romania abolishes slavery. Yeah. And even now, that's still the, basically their home base. I mean, Romania is like, okay, we'll take care of you guys. Sorry about the last four centuries. <laughs> right. Um, and no one else in the EU will, but Romania does provide for their Romani population more than any other country there. But they were subjugated there too, weren't they? Or at least, uh, discriminated against. Yeah, they were slaves for 400 years there. Well, I mean, after that though, weren't they, like, they had a hard time, they weren't served in stores and- Oh yes, it still goes on today in Romania. Oh, okay, I thought they were a little, like, more accepting. No, I think that's like kind of the, um, I think that's, the, the, that doesn't mean that Ro- Romania is just like, um, Roma loving. Right. They're just, they treat them slightly less badly than the rest of Europe. Slight Roma tolerant. Right. Okay. Let's settle on that. Um, but because of, uh, the fact that they weren't, um, allowed service in stores and mm-hmm. that maybe they had low literacy and they couldn't get jobs, no one wants to hire them. It was sort of this cyclical thing where they had to resort to, uh, thievery. And deception, and it's just how do you get uh, build yourself up as a people when you can't work? You still need to eat, so how do you eat? You maybe steal something, mm-hmm. and so it's just sort of the constant cycle that, to this day, they haven't been able to break out of. No, you know, yeah, it's it is kind of a self perpetuating thing. Like they have a bad reputation in part because they do behave badly, and they behave. Badly, in part because they have a bad reputation, so they can't get a leg up. Like thousands of years, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, and there's, I think, one of the probably the hallmarks of um, Romani culture is it's, um, it it just won't assimilate. Yeah, like they just don't assimilate into whatever culture they're in. They're they're visitors, they're guests. Yeah, they're um, or parasites or leeches, depending on you know where you live and how you feel about them. Um, but they are not interested in becoming part of your culture where you live. Yeah, they seem pretty private and like only concerned about their tribe. Right. And the thing is, the problem with that is, is that tends to make the majority of a culture very nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Why aren't you like uh, eating our Liberty cabbage and freedom fries? Like, what's your problem? <laughs> right. well, you know, oh, I bet they love cabbage. It, well, like, why? Why don't you want to like work nine to five? And, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. So when when a, any group won't assimilate and exist on the fringes seemingly, you know, by their own accord, that's um that definitely raises a lot of suspicion in the the majority culture. Yeah. Unless you live in Montana. Yeah, it's true. So maybe they play well <laughs> there. They fit right in. I have friends in Montana. They know I'm kidding. Okay. So uh, right after this message break, we're going to talk about some of the atrocities they suffered during World War II. Yeah. 
Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! All right, it's World War II. Yeah. The Nazis are doing their thing, and they are not just persecuting uh, Jewish people. They are persecuting anyone that is a minority that they don't agree with, and the Roma were some of the first uh, ones that they targeted. And by, um, what's the word, by percentage or of their total population, mm-hmm. maybe even suffered more than the Jewish people. Yeah. As far as, like like half of the Roma people or something were executed. I think it was half of a million were in Germany or in the in the lands that Germany conquered. Yeah, and they you know, they were uh there's a documentary apparently out and I read an article on it but they didn't even give the name of it, but it's uh these filmmakers in Toronto, uh Jewish filmmakers made a documentary about um the Romani Holocaust because it's just not a story you ever hear. But uh, the filmmakers, uh, Tom Rasky and Lynn Bender, like I said, were Jewish Holocaust survivors, uh, children of Holocaust survivors. And the director and uh, a Roma musician actually helped make it. So they are still the musical people, not just the Gypsy Kings. <laughs> and we so we don't know the name of the documentary. I couldn't find it. It's a terrible article. It was terrible. Um, so, yeah, during World War II, the, the Roma and the Jews were the only two... Uh, ethnic groups that were targeted because of their ethnicity uh, by the Nazis. Um, and, yeah, they suffered tremendously, and they have a word for it. Um, it means the great devouring. It's a poremos. Poremos? Yeah. It means the great devouring. Yeah, it can also mean rape, apparently, which kind of puts a button on that experience. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I, I did a little more reading about it, too. Apparently, they really annoyed the SS as well, because they 
would not go quietly. Mm-hmm. Like they would say, they would have them dig their own graves, stand naked in front of them, just so they could shoot them and push them in. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said that they wouldn't just stand there and like take their death gracefully. They would yell and scream and run around and try and dodge bullets. And I guess it was it's pretty sensible. Well, yeah, exactly. But I guess that's part of the you know the survivor in them because they've been booted all around. You know, they got to do what they can. Right. So like this guy's pointing a gun at me. I'm going to try and get out of here. Right. Even if I'm naked. Yeah. Sad. And the the rest of the majority culture was like, no, you just stand still. Right. What's wrong with you? Unbelievable. So one of the more shameful but also telling things about the Roma Holocaust was the way it was treated afterward. It was basically unmentioned at the Nuremberg trials. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we're to address the Holocaust as a whole, you know, and just kind of ignored like this one whole thing because, well, it was the Roma, apparently. Yeah. And then uh, one SS officer in history has was ever persecuted or prosecuted for crimes against Roma. Just one during game. World War II, just one person, even yeah. though half a million Roma died. So why, my friend, we, I don't think we posed the question, uh, why did they think they came from Egypt to begin with? Oh, yeah. Well, apparently it was just a complete accident. Oh, yeah? Well, um, they came from northern India originally, and a lot of Roma have a, a dark complexion. Um, so and they look the part, maybe. A little. To, uh, to an untrained eye. Sure. Um, and they ended up settling in the Greek Isles for a little bit or some, at some point, some Roma did. And around there, the place where they settled or the place where they came from along the Adriatic had been known as Little Egypt. Uh-huh. So the people in Peloponnesia thought, oh, well, they're Egyptians. So they started calling them gypsies. Clearly, because they live in Little Egypt. And they have dark complexions. <laughs> That's interesting. So what about these days? It's interesting history, but these days they still, like we said, have a lot of them are still musicians. A lot of them still uh, pick up camp and move. Some of them still trade horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're known for being metal workers. And uh, well, a lot of them have trades that were learned as slaves in Romania that have been passed down and are still practiced today. So, like for example, some uh, group that was that were copper workers as slaves in Romania, their ancestors were. Yeah. The groups today do scrap metal. That's what they deal with. So they know what they're doing with with metal. Like they're a lot of the trades that a a, a um, Roma clan does for a living. Yeah, um, is passed down from their their days as slaves in Romania. Yeah, and the the fact that they're uh, still musicians today is definitely one of those because they found they could make a few bucks by even appearing, trying to appear more exotic. Yeah, and do performances and look at us, we're the weird. Uh, exotic Roma people or the gypsies. And Look at how colorful our clothes are. Yeah, exactly. And I'm playing my finger tambourine right. while you're getting your pocket picked, perhaps. Ouch. No, that's, that's something that happened. So was it because apparently the media is totally cool with just perpetuating lies and untruths about the Roma? And is not to be trusted any more than they purport the Roma should, shouldn't be. 
What do you mean? The media, the media reports. Like, um, I read that in that article I read, uh, in The Guardian by Dr. Finesca, uh-huh. the, the Roma authority. Right. She points out that I want some British paper said that a, a Roma woman who they named like by name named her son Lucifer, which is apparently wholly untrue. Huh. But this was in like the nineties that that papers were printing this. So. Uh, apparently, the Roma have always been this group that you can kick around and everybody's cool with, basically. Right. With you kicking them around. So, media reports of the stuff that they do are should be taken with a grain of salt. Yeah, I think so. Because they're very often conflated. Yeah, but the the point this article makes, this is by uh, Kristen Conger of Stuff Mom Never Told You. She does make the point that a lot of it is reputation, but a lot of it is earned reputation. Right. Because, again, they were kind of forced from town to town and they were poverty stricken and so they may have had to pick some pockets here and there to put food in the mouths i hear you you know i'm just saying don't read don't believe everything you read in the papers yeah um sociologically speaking the roma are constitute what's called a middleman minority yeah which is a group that refuses to assimilate um and but still and is discriminated against but still maintains enough um communication or contact with the larger culture yeah. that they can benefit economically from that. Like they can still sell you a car. Oh, gotcha. You or know? trade you a car. Sure. Uh, they're paternalistic, so it's um, super old school. Like the women are expected to stay home and and work the house, and the men may or may not work at all. Uh, young girls, they still have arranged marriages even to this day, mm-hmm. um, getting their daughters uh, matched up with another Another person of the Romani cultures is important to them. And apparently teenagers as well. Yeah, like as young as 12. It's a little weird. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, because of the illiteracy rate, I think it's especially hard on uh, young women. They don't care very much about educating them. Right. Um, and then employment is just kind of a side thing you do when yeah. you need money. Right. Uh, for the most part. Part of that is that's just kind of part of Romani culture, but it asks the question, uh, you know, do they, is that part of Romani culture because they haven't been able to get a job yeah. or do they just not work? And that's part of Romani culture. Right. You know, which, which side of the coin has actually created this, this situation. Yeah. But they apparently were given jobs under communism in Eastern Europe, uh, and, Went to work in factories and things like that. Yeah, for a little while. But then after communism disintegrated, the the Roma were fired first, apparently. <laughs> they were the first ones out the door. Yeah. They were like, the boss is no longer the boss. You're fired. I'm firing you. Yeah. And then, of course, from that rose more complaints of stealing and thievery. And uh, a lot of it, too, isn't just uh, illegal activities, but a lot of begging and panhandling and... Stuff that apparently in chic districts in Paris is unsightly. So it sounds like from this description that Romani women are, they do almost all of the work, especially around the household. Yeah. They do. And the men may or may not even have jobs. Right. Yeah. But they, these, they do exist in clans and these clans do have tribunals to handle disputes. Sure. And the men kind of run all that stuff, like the, the government of the, of the village or group. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the women are like running the household stuff, but the men are apparently totally, clearly, a hundred percent dominant. Yeah, uh, I think that's true. 
unless it's just something we read that's not. <laughs> because I read one of the filmmakers for that documentary said, you know, we're told that they aren't even that nomadic anymore. I'm like, but that flies in the face of everything I've read. So, Well, it's in this article as well, it says like a, that a lot of them want to settle down and are trying to make, um, trying to, to establish roots in places. But yeah. They, they get kicked out eventually. I think they fared pretty well here in the States. Apparently so. I don't know about like, I'm not saying they're, they're rising to CEO positions or anything, but I think they haven't been, uh, like kicked around like they have been in, uh, the EU. Yeah. At least. Well, America loves its traveling, romanticized thing, you know? Yeah, yeah the, the <laughs> open road, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. That kind of thing. So anybody who's on the open road is, you know, romanticized a little bit more here, I think, than in Europe. I think you're right. Um, this, uh, this takes a toll though. All the, all the poverty and the moving around and the lack of education is going to take a toll on, on, any ethnicity, and uh, it's definitely happening with the Romani because they apparently, um, compared to similar populations in Slovakia, uh, Ireland, Czech Republic, and Bulgaria, die about six to ten years earlier, and infant mortality rates are double and triple of those in surrounding ethnic groups, which is disturbing. Right. Which you can say, oh, that's right. Well, they're poverty-stricken. Sure. Uh, they don't eat the most nutritious meals around because they're poverty stricken. Yeah. They don't have easy access to health care. On the other side of the coin, apparently, um, they also typically shun, um, local medicine. Yeah. In favor of their own medicine, which is often homeopathic, apparently. Right. And so, for example, tuberculosis is just like a, it's like a fatal disease. Even though if you step outside of camp into town, it's not. Right. If you just go to that hospital right there. Yeah. It's not. Uh, yeah, here's the uh, illiteracy rate. It's 75% of uh, Romani girls can't read. Yeah, and apparently most Romani kids of either uh, gender don't complete high school. So all of this, the fact that they are poverty-stricken, that they have lower life expectancy, higher infant mortality rates... Uh, lower education, higher illiteracy rates. Yeah. It's tough to get a, a leg up. Yeah. Especially when the the entire world basically looks at you like you are never to be trusted. Yeah. So what do you do? I will tell you what you do after this ad break. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. 
Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! I'm dying to know. All you right. Have, you, do you have the solution? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a long run. We already talked about the solution. Okay. But you organize. Yeah. You get together and you say, hey, we are this group of people. We... um. We have a history, we have a past, because Dr. Finesca, Isabella Finesca, points out, quite rightly, I think, the easiest way to dehumanize people is to strip them of any context, any history. Yeah. And that means that the Roma are ripe for exploitation when it comes to that, dehumanization, because they really don't have a history. Like, historians think maybe... That they came out of northern India a thousand, uh, a thousand years ago? Yeah. They probably did, but it's not entirely confirmed, right? Can I read this quote by her? Yeah. It's like the saddest thing I've ever read, and this is by Finesca. Uh, the Roma have no heroes, no myths of origin, of a great liberation, of the founding of a nation, of a promised land. And that's like pretty much puts the cherry on top. Right. It's so sad. Since... Pretty much every other culture on the planet does have that. Yeah. It makes them appear shiftless, um, aimless, yeah. lazy. Yeah. Like so lazy they don't even care about their own culture. So how can anybody else care about their culture? Well, finally some Roma got together in the 70s and said, we're going to start being Roma, Romani activists. Like we're misunderstood. And I think from this interaction inside and out and the separation between us and the rest of the world yeah there's a there this misunderstanding is creating some self prophecy self-fulfilling prophecies yeah yeah self-perpetuating myths and they got together and said okay we come from northern india india we want you to sponsor uh, like a congress and they did and they did in 1971 yeah it was very awesome the first world romani congress and uh there were uh, Romani from 14 different countries, and they picked out a flag and an anthem, yeah. which just sounds so weird that you would have to do that in the 70s. I'll bet it's exuberant. I'm sure it was. And um, No, the anthem. Oh, oh. You think? I'll bet the Gypsy Kings can play it really well. It, no, it probably sounds like uh, Beirut, you know that band? Uh, he sounds like... Gypsy-ish, yeah? Yeah. Um, or Romani-ish? Yeah. <laughs> uh... So it was, you know, it was a big unifying moment and a rare unifying moment for the people Mm -hmm. in 1971. And because they had the sponsorship of India, though, uh, the UN had to, (laughs) I say had to, maybe they really wanted to, uh, officially recognize them as an ethnic group in 1978. So that was a victory seven years later. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Sure. Well, what's, um, what's sad, though? Is it's I guess the one of the more prevalent proposals 
for getting Romani like a leg up is for them to assimilate culturally. Yeah. Apparently, nothing's ever really going to change. Yeah. Until they are willing to assimilate culturally, um, and that's kind of like the crux of the matter. The problem is, is if if you um, if you you start to assimilate, you lose your culture. Yeah, which is happening somewhat. You know, they they're already having a hard time holding on to their dialect because of its fractured nature with the different tribes. But like you said, assimilation eh, it's a bit of a sad thing. You know, you let go of your own past that's already checkered. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. Would that mean the end of the Romani? Well, I mean, you you can also make the case that you know the Chinese have been um, uh, middlemen minority. Uh, Jewish people have been middlemen minority in different places. Yeah. Um, any group that comes to a new place and settles and then just kind of maintains its ethnic identity for a while is a middleman minority. Yeah. And and you can look around and say, well, you know, Chinese have assimilated into the U.S. pretty fully. Yeah. But you still understand there's such a thing as, you know, Chinese ethnic and cultural identity. Yeah, it's there's still dead. A, a Chinatown in most major cities. Right. So I, I don't know. Maybe there'll be like Romani Town in San Francisco 100 years from now. and San Francisco. The president will be Romani. <laughs> yeah. You know? You never know. Who knows? But it won't happen. Apparently, I guess that's the bet. Or that's the the deal that's on the table. Yeah. yeah, we'll take care of you, but you have to stop being outside fringe dwelling weirdos. Well, and until they're like this whole Paris deal, the the reason why they're shuffling them out of this one district is because they were shuffled out of another district. That's yeah, and it happens on a macro scale as well. Yeah, like not just within the city, but within Europe as a whole. Well, and one of the I can't remember the lady's name, but one of the French. Um, Bureaucrat said, we, we, we just need to get them back to where they came from. <laughs> no. <laughs> back to Romania. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like, really? He just said that? Yeah. It's 2014, you know? Yeah. Well, plus also that shows a little bit of historic illiteracy. Yeah. Um, but do you want to talk about other terms for them, depending on where they are? Yeah, sure. So in the UK, they call them travelers. What else? Uh, in Rome and Spain, they're called gitanos. So the gypsy gypsy kings are technically gitanos. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, in Germany and Italy, they call them Sinto. I can't believe I thought the gypsy kings were from Mexico. That's pretty ignorant. No, no. I think most people thought that who aren't like into world music, you know, but have heard of the gypsy kings or whatever. Right. You know, it's they they see they play huge guitars. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm with you on that one. I just didn't want to be the white guy. It's like they're Mexican, right? <laughs> I don't think it's like that. Okay. Uh, so that's the Gypsy Kings. <laughs> you got anything else on Gypsies on Roma? Man, I'm sorry. I know, but that. the title of the article is How Gypsies Work. And I think it'll attract listeners because people, I don't think a lot of people understand what the heck it is. I didn't. What, Roma? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes you think like, well, they're from Rome. Yeah. You know? No. Romania. No. I wonder if that means that Romania is from Rome. This is one of the more confusing episodes we've done. As it turns out. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Roma or Romani, don't type those words. Type gypsy into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it will bring up this article. And I said search bar, which means it's time for listener mail. Uh, this is a question posed to us from Josh Roberts of Washington, D.C. Hey, guys, I'm a big fan. I found the podcast last year and downloaded a few episodes 
Uh, but it caught my interest and I ended up going back to the beginning and I've listened to every episode on iTunes. Josh, I don't know if you know this, but we have a lot more episodes than that, my friend. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Are you talking to Josh the... Josh Roberts. Oh, gotcha. Not Josh Clark. Yeah, uh, we have a whole page now with all of our episodes on our website at StuffYouShouldKnow.com. Archived. Yeah. iTunes features the most recent 301 episodes. Yeah. And we have like 630-something episodes. Yeah. So he may know that, but maybe not. Go back and listen to the old ones. <laughs> They're pretty funny. <laughs> There's some good ones in there. Yeah. Not well, the real old ones, but, yeah. you know, after maybe 50 they really started to get good. I stopped talking so fast and like it's just a total <laughs> jackass. And we left the cave that we recorded in. Yeah. The can. Uh, okay. So he's writing because he has an important question to ask. Uh, imagine that time travel is real and you can go to any time place in all of history and you could bring one thing with you. Uh, my question is, where would you go and what would you bring? I've been asking people this question since I was 16 now I'm 42 years old and I've had many interesting and some disturbing answers. <laughs> uh, about 25% are money-making ploys, like uh, the old Back to the Future bringing the sports almanac. Uh, many people talk about going back to uh, Mozart or Beethoven's time to bring and bringing a recording device. And then, of course, other notable answers include uh, shooting Hitler, uh, stopping the murder of JFK or MLK. Uh, my favorite answer is going back to the late 1400s with a battleship and making sure the Europeans never reach the Americas. Yeah. So, we have to answer this now. My question to Josh Roberts is, is this something that, are you going to go come back to present day time? Because, you know, what good would it go do to go record Beethoven if you're stuck there with a recording of Beethoven? Oh yeah, there's a caveat. So, if you can come back to present day time, I've thought about this. I haven't had the benefit of thinking about it. Just keep thinking. I think I might go back to the time of Jesus in biblical times mm-hmm. because I've well documented my constant struggle with my religious upbringing over the years. Yeah. He's going to go to the source and be I'm like, I'm going to hey. go to the source and I'm taking a video camera with unlimited amounts of, you know, recording space. Okay. Let's say. So an SD card. Yeah. A bunch of them. Okay. And I can bring this back and I think it would, I think it would delight everyone. I think Christians would be delighted because you have real footage of the Sermon on the Mount in these... I think delighted might be understating the reaction yeah. you would get. They would be over the moon about having original recordings of Jesus doing his thing. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> and I think it would also be helpful to just sort of sort out what the deal was and uh, say, you know what? Are these stories allegory? Are they? Did they really happen? Am I going to go back and see people walking on the water and come back and say, hey, you know what? It's all absolutely true, everyone. I think it would be like the greatest discovery and religion has had such an impact on world history. So that's my boom. That's what I'm doing. That's a good one. Thanks. Um, uh, let's see. I should have sent this to you ahead of time. Yeah. I feel bad for springing it on you. Well, I'll just give a cursory one. I would, I would go to, um, I would go to probably some, place that's kind of an exotic locale now Mm -hmm. oh but like 60 years ago when it was super exotic Uh uh-huh not so i would say you know what i would go to like um polynesia or cuba yeah in 1920 okay and i realized they were nowhere near the same thing okay but i would go to i would go to 
Cuba in 1920, and the thing I would take would be Yumi. Interesting. So you just go for a vacation, essentially, in another time and place. Forever vacation, yeah. All right. See, I would recommend you go back even further to Cuba before Mm -hmm. there was anyone there with, like, a big gun, and then you own Cuba. I don't want to own Cuba. And, and like, I like the local flavor, you know what I mean? Like, I like the local flavor that's, like, not been, uh, there's not, like, an Old Navy anywhere near this local flavor. It's, like, totally local flavor, but they also have, you know, mojitos already. Okay. So you would go get away from the things of man back in the day with your wife Mm -hmm. where they have alcohol served. Yes. That's a great answer. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I love it. It was off the cuff. I'm just, I can just picture you and Yumi kicking it in 1920 in Cuba. Yeah, Cuba. Yeah. I'd wear one of those shirts. <laughs> I'd be one of those guys who wear Cuban shirts. Yeah, what are those called? The uh, Cuban shirts. No, there's another name. I can't remember. I'm sure it's like yeah. the cruise wear. Right. Yeah. But with two pockets and the yeah, unnecessary seams and there's stuff. There's a name. Somewhere John Hodgman and Jesse Thorne are going, it's blah, blah, right. blah. We can't hear you. I know. All right. Well, uh, that was it. For Romani, if you want to hang out with me and Chuck outside of this podcast, you can. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook. You can just look up Stuff You Should Know, S-Y-S-K, Josh and Chuck, uh, on your favorite web browser, and it'll bring up all that stuff. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast.discovery.com and hang out with us on our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.